Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts Benjamin Holden and Lucy Davis. Just before we jump into the podcast today, we just wanted to let you know something very special and extraordinary. This podcast is sponsored by the My Coach School, which is our subscription coaching school. And at the moment, you can find a 30-day, yes, 30-day free trial if you use the code VIP free trial, all in caps lock. Yes, is correct at checkout but this is only with the vip membership so this is our cream de la creme um, membership of the my coach school and it's incredible you can thank us later but without further ado let's jump into the podcast indeed i think we, we still haven't got a jingle have we to start the podcast so ding, ding, i'll just ding. i'll just start by opening my monster can at 10 30 a.m in the morning that was a lovely opening to the podcast i have mm. to say i'm a caffeine after my morning routine <laughs> So on today's episode of Not So Fickle Podcast, we are going to be discussing how you can eat happy. So looking at things and discussing things that eating habits which will cement themselves into your life and ultimately lead you to have a happier life. So we're going to look at the importance of finding the right method for you. We're going to look and touch on binge eating and our experiences with that. We're going to look at some barriers and overcoming those that happen a lot of times with people who start new diets or existing diets we're also going to look a little bit into the use of my fitness pal which is obviously a really common uh, app that people use nowadays for dieting Mm -hmm. and then we're going to have a little look at glorifying non-diet dieting versus extreme dieting culture and a few other juicy topics within this podcast so i think the first thing that we are going to look at and it's one of the most common questions that we tend to get on social media. I know that I've had quite a few times since we've been in isolation and it's when should I cut my calories? So I think this one comes up and crops up quite a lot and it's something that people are very unsure of. Just a quick plug, we have a free calorie calculator on the market school. If you are unsure how to work out your calories for age, weight, sex, height, etc. But for the majority of people, they will be cutting calories set to lose weight because they want to speed up the process. Mm-hmm. They want to get from A to B a lot quicker, so start cutting calories in or out. So the thing is when you're in a calorie deficit, and this is just something Ben briefly touched on then, like he said, a lot of people think it's like an overnight thing and you can drop X amount of weight in a week and it's going to be incredible, and it's all going to be linear, and you're going to lose two pounds every single week. It doesn't always work like that. And the thing is with a calorie deficit, it's not something to be rushed unless you're literally in sport and you're a boxer or you're doing BJJ and you have to fit a weight category. There's no need for you to rush the process of fat loss or weight loss. I think it'll actually hinder your progress more than help you because you drop your calories so low and then you're kind of just stuck because one, you'll be eating very minimal calories, you'll be very fatigued, you won't feel great and you'll probably also plateau a lot quicker than you would if you were doing it in a steady way with a calorie deficit. Yeah, so what Lucy's talking about is taking shortcuts. Now, shortcuts never work in life. Whenever you want something, most things in life take hard work. So if we look at this, whether it's driving or trying to make money or general tasks, you end up sacrificing something somewhere along the line when you take shortcuts. And in most cases, when it comes to diet, it's with your happiness. Because what happens further down the line after skipping a meal or cutting a few hundred calories out of your day, you either get hungry and start picking at things. Now, I do this quite a lot. <laughs> when I had an extreme diet mm-hmm. in the past, taking nibbles out of stuff and then putting it back. Sorry, yeah. man. Um, or two, you add things into your day later on that take your miles over your calorie deficit anyway. So it's just counterintuitive. And the truth is, the problem that there is, there are not too many calories in your diet, which I think is what most people get hung up on. Like a lot, sometimes when I've created diet plans for clients or people like, oh, can I really have this many calories? Or yeah. should I really be on this, this many calories? Should I be on this many carbs? And it's not because you're on too many calories or you're on too many carbohydrates it's because you're scared of eating them Mm -hmm. so what happens for a lot of people because they're scared they then cut them cut the calories cut the calories cut the calories and then end up binge eating anyway so it's it's just completely counterintuitive 
then what people tend to do the next day is eat fuck all, run a 5k, followed by a hit class and then a 10k walk to try and counterbalance that feeling of guilt and what what they've generally just done the day before. Yeah, whilst also cutting their calories. So if you're, like Ben said, if you're in a calorie deficit anyway and then you accidentally might binge or go over your calories or whatever... You then do the crazy, the 5K, the HIIT workout, the strength class and all this. And you burn loads of calories. Then also, which you don't need to do, by the way. And then also you cut your calories even further. So it puts you back into this binge cycle because you're going to be so hungry. You're going to get to nighttime and you're going to want to eat everything in sight. Like Ben said, he's going to nibble a cookie and then he's going to have every cookie in mm. the cookie box. I know what a lot of people think is that by taking these shortcuts, so for example, if you've been set 1,800 calories from a daily deficit, oh, if I just have 1,600, I'll lose weight quicker. Well, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> you will simply make them up somewhere else when your appetite kicks off. And so instead of cutting calories out, if you really want to get ahead of the curve, then do yourself a favour, eat your dinner, walk more, and stop worrying about your weight. Because at the end of the day, when we look at things in a bigger perspective, if your weight stays the same, but you look better, you're winning. If your weight stays the same, but your clothes feel a bit looser, then you're winning. Mm-hmm. And if your weight stays the same, and you feel happier... You're winning. Exactly. So the only time you really need to cut calories is when you are sticking to the exact set amount via that you set yourself or your coach set yourself without cutting them or shortcutting them and you're not picking out over the weekend like it's a free period where calories just simply don't count and this is something that we're going to touch on a little bit more and I know it's what happens for a lot of people at weekends and it's called fuck it mode mm-hmm. it's what we call it anyway just one thing that I wanted to touch on just before we move on to F-U-C-K mode now with calories and something really interesting and I was doing research on this the other day the odds are pretty common that you actually misestimate the amount of calories you're eating and there was a study from New England Journal of Medicine which basically found that people who were struggling with weight loss underestimated their calorie intake by nearly 50% so the first potential problem is that your weight is not changing the way you expect it to because you're not actually eating what you think you are. And I think this is really common with the snacking. So you go for a handful of nuts. You mean by spilling over? Yeah, Yeah. by spilling over. So you underestimate. So say, for example, in MyFitnessPal, you've put in 1,700 calories and you're actually having like 2,500. Or even if you're not using MyFitnessPal, you go for the handful of nuts. You put mayonnaise on your food, sauces, milk in your tea. It's like things like this that add up. So if you were really on like a weight loss journey you, you just take them into consideration yeah. it's not that you have to get rid of them you just take them into consideration because 50 percent of people obviously in that study misestimated the calories which is why as a person you might be finding it a little bit harder for fat loss or for weight loss that's just something i wanted to chime in well on that note i remember i told you about a client who had i'm not going to mention oh, the name caramel macchiatos oh here we go v- Venti caramel yeah macchiatos. so on his program basically i set in that he could have Black coffees whenever he wished. Obviously, not to go absolutely AWOL and then be stemmed off his cake. But we, we, he was getting to this point where he lost a bit of weight in the first couple of weeks. And then we got to, I don't know, must have been four weeks through. And his weight stalled for about three weeks. And I was trying to figure out what he was doing. And why he wasn't losing weight. We were tearing up the amount of cardio that he was doing, cut back calories a little bit, but I didn't want to change things too dramatically, so there must have been something that was going on, because he was nailing training, he was one of those guys who was really dedicated, he was really strict to his diet, he wouldn't have anything over, he was always he was always really honest, he was always accountable, and it got to the point where I was like, what the fuck is he doing? You know, when you're like, <laughs> he's got to be lying. Yeah. Because he's doing... There's he's something not doing, quite right. Yeah, there's something not right. <laughs> so, I phoned him up one day, and we had a bit of a conversation, I just ran through from like morning to evening, what he was doing, what his routine was, and I was like, well, okay, what is he doing? What are you doing on the way to work? What are you doing on your lunchtime? Like, what are you doing after work? Let's look at these periods in your day, which is sometimes for a lot of people on autopilot because 40% of our habits are on autopilot. Mm-hmm. So what I found out in the end that he was doing, he was like, I go for Starbucks before work. Okay, what are you what getting you in have? Starbucks? <laughs> so this is what it came down to. It came down to that in the morning, he'd go with his mate 
you get a, car- a caramel macchiato. Caramel macchiato venti. Six hundred. No, no, four hundred and ten. The large ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think I'll be right. But even 410 calories. Yeah, I think I'll round it up to about 500 because remember, oh. he was getting that in the morning. He was getting cream. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> getting cream, so it was 500. <laughs> and then on lunch time, right? Do you know what? Starbucks, call him again, go for another coffee with a mate on my caramel lunch. Macchiato. Another caramel macchiato. Oh, and after work, I'll go for another fucking caramel macchiato. So he was clocking up an extra 1,500 calories per day, and that was from Monday to Friday. That's like an extra 9,000 calories a well, week or something it, crazy. It's, it's 7,500, I think it is. Quick maths, I don't have that scale. Yeah. Um, I think it's 7,500 for the. So he was taking it in way over what his calorie deficit was. It was completely taking him, taking him out of his calorie deficit for the week. By, by miles. Yeah, so, ridiculous. Amounts. And I was cutting his calories down. I was making him do more cardio when we didn't need to. It was simply talking to him and understanding what these habitual routines were, were dialing him into. Like he was going miles over just for things like that, where you said he wasn't inputting them. He yeah. didn't recognise that. You underestimate it. it was it was liquids just, and fluids, which is what a lot of people do. So when we took that off. Boom. Boom! Weight, weight loss, and that's fat just sometimes loss. by looking at things in a, in a bigger perspective, like what is actually going into my day to day that I'm not actually accounting for. And this leads us on to F U C K it mode. I just feel like I can't swear. Just say fuck it, fuck it mode. F U C K mode. <laughs> say it once, please, for listeners. Fuck it mode. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that I've been guilty of before. Um, is fuck it mode because. I think a lot of the time we can get to the weekend and go, oh, I deserve it. Like it, it doesn't. Matter. The weekend doesn't count. If I have something, whatever, and tight from Monday to Friday, I can do Saturday and Sunday and have whatever I want. And I think to some degree, obviously, it, it, we need to have balance. On a Saturday, like for example, we usually whip up a cheeky meal, order some cookie dough, mm-hmm. have a couple of rums, don't we? And we have balance. But there's a there's a difference between having balance at the weekend and then just go in a complete fuck it mode yeah and I think this is a really bad habit to build up and I think it boils down to that whole perception of kind of like cheat meal or cheat weekend that the kind of fitness industry went through for a long period of time which I think slowly is coming out of those pictures where you're seeing people with massive stacks of pancakes and big massive cheat meals yeah. and five guys and whatever and taking going thousands and thousands over calories like these people who are posting these images by the way are probably doing that once every eight weeks because it's a hashtag refeed mm. like it's not something that's part of the weekly routine you're just seeing it taken away and going oh, I'm actually going to do, do you that you know what that is though as well That it's like misconception of those images that are seen on social media because they're posted very frequently and a lot of people do post them weekly and yeah we are the people who say to you have a sustainable diet have balance I used to have a caramel cream egg every day for about a year because it fitted within what I was doing and I'd have a really gorgeous dinner and meal on the weekend and have like a dessert and things. But that does not mean to say I'm having 7,000 calories on a Saturday, which me and Ben have done in the past. We used used to do fuck it mode to a really large extent. So we used to get so much food because we thought we had to have it to have this like perception of like a cheat day and all this. And it was kind of, it was about a year ago. How does that make you feel next day? Oh my God, we used to feel absolutely horrendous and it wasn't actually enjoyable so you used to eat you as in we used to eat until we were so full we couldn't move and i remember this one time and this actually makes me feel sick thinking about it we baked the cake and we bought a whole tub of salted caramel ice cream the ones that are about four thousand calories this was the motherfucker of all cakes by the way yeah we we then re-iced our cake already had chocolate ice on which we made we put the caramel the ones you you get in the u.s m&ms in the cake and on top and i shit you not we ate that whole cake whilst watching harry potter it's a full tub of that sort of caramel full, yeah we just like so it's that kind of thing where it's like whoa you kind of just need to put yourself into what the fuck you're doing right now kind of thing because we used to really go ham and it wasn't enjoyable yeah well you're basically there you took the reins and you've ran all the way around the fucking world and haven't you you've completely just it's also greed yeah. I think it's re- we were very greedy but I think sometimes <laughs> if you go so rest- like with anything it's balance if you're so restrictive yeah for five days it's going to be a, a, a point where you go pop and like mm. things things tip the balance the balance is always restored in life mm-hmm. so if, you, if you're mega mega strict or too strict you're going to go down that way but I do think there is a certain thing to be said to having something that you enjoy and hit a society on a weekend for, 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 a, sure. for a meal I couldn't do know you know what I mean because 
Although I don't agree with cheat meals, I feel like the psychology of them is there is some benefit. I don't like the name cheat. No, well, I think that's something that's obviously a negativity with it. But if we look at basic behaviourism, if you want to enforce a new habit or a new behaviour, which is sometimes difficult to do, then what you need to do is have positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So by that, I mean, if you have these habits from a, say from Sunday, because that's when it's important, Sunday through till Friday, you're eating within your deficit, you've had well, you've had good routine, you've had good workouts for the week, you feel good for yourself, feel fit, healthy, happy, then having something that you enjoy on a Saturday is positively rewarding and positively reinforcing those behaviours from a Sunday to Friday. Mm -hmm. And it makes them ingrained. It's it's a reward. So they're very, very helpful. But when it comes to dieting, there is different methods that you you can take to an approach. And I want you to look into these in more detail because I can talk about these all day. And I put a YouTube video up on my channel about these two different methods. And one of them is slow and steady and monitored mm-hmm. so it, this is probably what most people will do this is this is definitely what i would do and then there is aggressive mm-hmm. and i've a lot of time myself i know that last year mm-hmm. took the aggressive approach it doesn't mean it's wrong it just means that again you have to swing back the balance because everything works with balance so the slow and steady monitored method is what most people will do they gradually chip away with the one to two pound a week maybe for a 12 week cutting period Mm-hmm. Which is, is generally what you would do, wouldn't yeah. you? Maybe for eight weeks. I'd never do something aggressive. My body can't cope on low calories. So I get too hungry. <laughs> but explain what aggressive actually is. And then aggressive. So there's been some research into this method of, I'd, I'd call it aggressive, because what we're doing is we're coming into a deficit which is bigger than 10%, so maybe 20, 25%. How you want to create that is up to you. Um, and what we what we do is we do two two weeks of aggressive dieting mm-hmm. so really strict so for example I would be on like 1,500 calories yeah yeah so we go, re- go really strict really hard and obviously you will notice a difference pretty quickly but then what we need to do is offset that balance so we do a two weeks of aggressive dieting and then do two weeks of maintenance so I would be like on 2,000 calories so you will go back up to your maintenance mm-hmm. calories you're out of your deficit you do two weeks of maintenance and what that helps do is it helps restore it helps your central nervous system it helps with your mental stress it helps you keep happier you have some food back in there you bring your carbs up uh, might bring your glycogen levels back up a little bit it's going to help your hormones uh, rebalance mm-hmm. and regenerate so that is the health benefits of doing that two weeks now for some people this can be difficult because doing two weeks of aggressive dieting into two weeks of maintenance they're going to be thinking oh my calories are going up I'm not going to lose weight maybe I'll just carry on with the aggressive deficit no this is where people tip the balance and they fuck up because they don't listen if you have a set guideline, you need to stick to this guideline. And there's actually a study done on this aggressive dieting phase where you do two weeks at um, aggressive deficit and two weeks at maintenance. And I think they did it versus a control group who just did like a steady state diet, like a, we were talking about then. And I believe, don't quote me on this because it was a while ago that I read the study, that the people who did the aggressive dieting showed better weight loss and also maintained more muscle because they're coming into that maintenance period sometimes. Yeah, the muscle it, makes definitely it, sense. Because it, it makes sense in regard to, for that two weeks, if you are maybe one of those people who isn't particularly happy dieting, if you do 12 weeks of it, you're going to be in a pretty unhappy state. Whereas if you do two weeks aggressive, you know, okay, next two weeks I'm going to include some more foods in there like, that I like having. Yeah. For example, I know you did it in a different way, but you had that cream egg. Caramel egg. Yeah, that caramel egg mm-hmm. every single day. And that's similar yeah, to what I've just done with a client who's in isolation at the moment. She can't stop going over a deficit. Mm. And I was like, well, okay, what, what are you having in your deficit? What is it you spilling over all the time? Well, it's chocolate, chocolate digestive biscuits. How many are you having? Four. Okay. That's now then amend your diet, put those four chocolate digestive biscuits within mm-hmm. your calorie amount for each day so you're still in your deficit. Okay, we did that for a week. She didn't go over once because yeah. she was having something in there that she liked but it, it's go and have a look at that study because it's quite interesting I can't remember the name of it <laughs> to say the life of it but if you go on my YouTube channel and look at the YouTube video yeah. um, it's on one of those dieting videos and it's a bit more definite there. now these methods are great for dropping body fat but again you've got to choose one that's going to suit you and, ha- and what you'll be happy doing does that make sense? yeah no it makes complete sense now we were also going to touch on, I think I'm going to talk about this anyways, neat. 
mm-hmm. we can discuss, which you've probably all heard of non-exercise activity thermogenesis, also known as NEAT. Now, this is the amount of energy you burn each day for any sort of physical activity that's not purposeful exercise. So, for example, it's like not going to the gym or doing a run and things like that. It includes everything from fidgeting at your desk to walking to the supermarket or queuing. Oh my gosh, the supermarkets at the moment. Um, to doing housework or standing up when you could be sitting down. Now, the thing is with NEAT, it tends to go up when your calorie intake increases. And it tends to go down when your calorie intake decreases which actually offsets a portion of that energy deficit or surplus that you actually thought you were creating by changing your calories. So what I'm saying here is if I was in a calorie deficit now, so for example, if I was eating 1,700 calories, because I'm not eating as much, my energy levels are lower, I'm more fatigued, I'm going to fidget less, I'm not going to want to walk as far to the supermarket, I'm not really going to get my steps in, I'm not going to be stood up, I'm going to be sat down a lot more. So I'm not actually burning as many calories as I thought I would be, even though I'm in a deficit. And then vice versa, if I was in a surplus and I was on my feet all the time, I was really fidgety, I was moving, I was getting all my steps in, X, Y, and Z, I'll be burning more calories. So you might not be in a surplus. So I think it's really important that you do take that factor into consideration. So if you are in that deficit, just just think to yourself, am I fidgeting? Am I sat my arse all day? Do I feel fatigued? Maybe I need to up my calories a slight little bit so I am feeling a bit more energized to move more. And then same in a surplus. Do I need to actually up them a bit more because I'm moving so much? Really important factor on the calories outside the equation that you need to take into consideration. Yeah, so what Lucy just touched on there is a massive pointer in regards to, again, getting and creating that balance because less isn't always more if you take more calories out of your diet the fact is you're probably going to move less so you're not actually doing yourself any favor at all and one of the things that i can't remember who the quote was from but when we talk about energy balances it's like having a home so if you want to heat up your home for a through the winter mm-hmm. and you're like <laughs> yeah so it's expensive and so you what you do is you go right i'm going to cut back money a little bit i'm not going to put as much money into the heating yeah yeah so what happens if you cut back the money and you're not putting as much into the heating you're not going to get as much heat out of it mm-hmm. because you're not putting as much money into it mm-hmm. it's exactly the same when it comes to the calories sometimes you've got to be careful if you put too little calories in you're not going to get the heat you're not going to get any energy that you need to for your home to yeah. be heated and it's exactly the same. So you've got to be careful with those balances. And obviously what I'll probably let Lucy talk a little bit about is what she's basically talking about is things that affect your metabolic rate. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do a quick quick fire on the, in the middle of the podcast. We press it on now. A couple of quotes that will give people some insight into. So when it comes to your metabolism, the way it's split is in, into two. So this is your TDE, by the way. It's your total daily energy expenditure. Yeah, so, okay. Well, we've got it's split in two and split into N-R-E-E and R-E-E. What does, for the listeners, N-R-E-E stand for? So you have your non... I literally forgot it now. Non-resting. Non-resting energy expenditure and then yeah. your exercise no. energy expenditure. Then we've got R-E-E. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about the other one. No. I don't know. <laughs> you just said N-R- what N-R-E-E is. I was going off T-D-E-E. So T-D-E is a bit different because it has your... Thermic effects of food, this is your this. basal metabolic rate. I've learned it in a different way. Your basal vet- metabolic rate, you neat, you eat, and that is everything under your TDE. Yeah, that's that's what your metabolic rate is. Yeah, I just said it in a completely different way. But um, yeah, no, there's loads of factors that need to be taken into consideration in terms of your total daily energy expenditure. So your thermic effects of food is actually the calories you eat so the food you eat and the digestion of that food so how many calories you burn when that happens now when you're eating fewer calories your tf is actually going to be smaller because you're not going to be burning as many many calories same with your basal but metabolic rate also same with your body mass which is an interesting one as your body mass goes down you need to continue to look at what calories you're eating because this may alter your deficit or your surplus again subtle plug we do have a free calorie calculator that you can use 
on the My Coach School. And then one that's really interesting. So your actual exercise energy expenditure, so your EEE, pretty much burns 20% of your TDEs. Absolutely tiny. And this is by no means saying don't exercise and things like that. Of course, exercise, it's great for you. But don't kind of think in your head that you have to exercise to burn calories. Like, don't look at exercise as like a burning calories mechanism. Look at it for your health, for your performance, how it makes you feel, because um, it is only 20%. Yeah, the biggest one's based your... on metabolic rate, because yeah. that is what, what makes you function. So, your heartbeat, your oxygen, your, bre- your breathing. That's your calories just burned by yeah, late that, 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 that is the majority of where your calories are burned each and every day by just being alive. The interesting thing with obviously TEF, which is the fit thermic effect, thermic effect food. food, is it's only a small portion as well. However, I think people get this misconception from others who publish shite in the fitness industry, where if you have small, more regular meals because you're eating more often, your the thermic effect of food is going to be higher. Yeah, it, it always works at around twenty percent of the food. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you have 2,000 calories per day and you split that into 10 meals it's 200 calories per meal mm-hmm. 20% of 200 calories is really bad at maths is 40 calories per meal so that's what that's what it'd take for your body to digest that food would be 40 calories from each of those meals mm-hmm. now if you had 2 meals per day wasn't that quick math by the way everyone if you have, if <laughs> what? You have, if you have 2 meals per day at 1,000 calories we're still looking at 20% so it takes 20% to digest both of those meals in regards to how much it take what's 20% of a thousand 200 200 yeah so it takes 200 calories to digest and energy of each of those foods which works out exactly the yeah. same by the way it always works mm-hmm. out exactly doesn't matter if you chunk it into 10 or you chunk it into 2 the thermic effect of food is exactly the same so by having more meals it doesn't mean that you are burning more calories first and foremost so mm-hmm. don't fall into that um equation of that it, it's going to do so it, it just doesn't I think there's another topic you touched on there which was oh that was just talking about your body mass so obviously it's different for every single person because it, not not everyone weighs different some people do weigh the same but if your body mass has dropped whilst you're in a calorie deficit you might need to adjust your calories it's, it's really that simple or same as you're in a surplus you might need to adjust your calories a little bit I think this is the big one which is why I wanted to include my fitness pal into it um, I'll let Lucy kind of touch on this one what is the big problem with my fitness pal when it's working on calories so my fitness pal is an absolute fuck up when it does your calories and I, I was a victim of this for so many years before I started being a coach but if you have your phone on you, it will start tracking the exercise you're doing, so like your steps and things like that, and it'll either automatically increase or decrease your calories. But what it hasn't understood is that your calories are already calculated with your activity. So say, for example, if I work them out on my fitness pal and deficit, so my roughly is 15% deficit for me is 1,700. And my fitness pal clocked on that I was getting like 10K steps in, it would give me more calories. Or if I wasn't moving, for example, and did on my phone and me, it would reduce my calories. It's just wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really um, inaccurate. And we've had a lot of people who have messaged us saying, thank you so much for your calorie calculator, because obviously it's accurate. You can't get more accurate than the one we actually have on the My Coach School. There's a Benedict formula. Which it's is the, the, yeah, the Benedict formula. And everyone who's come over from my fitness pal said oh my god it was telling me to eat 1200 calories a day and yours tells me 1700 and i've lost weight with yours so it really is something that people need to be careful massively, with massively massively and um, my fitness pal is great by the way because we used the program for for all clients mm-hmm. for years but it can be inconsistent with what we just discussed and the other thing is when you are inputting foods I don't know that in regards to database who does the input, but when you look at certain brands and certain different foods, they can often differ depending on which brand you decide to put in by a substantial yeah. amount. So just be careful when you're doing that. Definitely. Underline my fitness pal, we're happy with that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. apart from that, it's a great tool. It is a great tool. Just don't use the calories. Yeah. Don't you use, use the calories. it for macros, that's fine. Once yeah. you've got your calorie intake, um, but always use the My Coach School Calorie Calculator because one, it's free, and two, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Sort Basically, sort of <laughs> Now, there are some things people forget when they start a new diet, which would go a long fucking way to help with consistency and progress and overall life. 
Now, one of the things we briefly discussed is going too hard too quick. Mm-hmm. It's like jumping on the deep end before you learn to swim. It's never going to end well. If you're like me, you'll probably drown. Sink. And <laughs> shit, swimming, yeah. Point sink and then come back up. The other thing that people do is demonize foods, which yeah. for a lot of people is a killer, but it's difficult with this one because some people do really well with strict dieting the same thing every day. But for most lifestyle-based people, demonizing food is a bad thing. It's better to reduce it rather than restrict it. So Everyone demonizes bread and yeah, carbs. And it's, which it's, is how many messages do you get about bread? Oh, my God, because I have like seven to eight pieces of hovis a day. I get so many messages. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, it fits my carb intake. It fits my calories. Like, I don't actually track. I just know my head through experience. But there is no issue with carbs. If you're eating a whole loaf or X, Y, and Z, or whatever you were eating, and it was over, and it wasn't actually okay. It's the same with any food. If you ate, like, 10 avocados, not great. It's the quantity, not the the, the source of the food. But, again, I'm going to use a quote for this one, which I think I've used before, when it comes to demonising foods, and it's going back to when you were a child, and your mum said to you... The crayons at the bum. Oh, God, why are you giving that the end? Of, Is you know when, the right one? Do you know when you're trying to tell a joke to someone and someone just comes in with the, with the punchline to your joke? And you fucking poo-poo I was just checking if it was the right well, one. Well, you just give people the it's end okay, of the joke. It's okay, carry on. So I'll pretend you haven't heard this because... Yeah, we'll go again. Lucy's just poo-poo. Replay. Music, so we'll take two. <laughs> it's like when you are younger and your mum says to you, don't go and play with that kid down the road. The bad for you, the bad news, blah, 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 blah. Naughty. Don't go and play with that kid who puts crayons up his bum because it's a bit weird. What's the first thing that you go and do? You go and play with the kid who puts crayons up his bum. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully you don't put the crayons up your bum yourself. But the thing, the, <laughs> the takeaway from this is... What a weird don't, analogy. Don't, don't demonise people. It's like pink elephants. If you tell someone not to do something, they're going to do it. But don't demonise foods and take them out because you're going to eat them in abundance anyway. Mm-hmm. And don't eat crayons. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I sweet chalk when I was little, you know, the other crack. thing which I took away from this when we did the health as well um, seminar the other week was the analogy of the never ending horizon and this was from, from Jamie and the never ending horizon is when we we set ourselves goals so when we start a diet is that we want to try and achieve this but even when we get there we never we never see that achievement yeah you're never satisfied you're never satisfied with it you're always chasing that never ending horizon so there's no end point with it there needs to be a point where you look at it and go okay I've achieved what I want to achieve and this comes massively down to measuring accountability and again this is another reason why with the micro school everyone gets their own tracker yeah. everyone gets their own personalised tracker where they can um, count calories they can put in PBs they can put in steps they can even write notes on the weekend how they got on and this is a really important habit to create within your day-to-day life because it makes things measurable and you can reward yourself then with what's measured can't yeah. you mm-hmm. I think that's a big one um, and the other big one for me is more to do with like the psychology of how you approach things so when we look at diet or weight and the language that we use in regards to should or could so when you say to yourself you should lose weight it puts pressure onto you. Yeah. It creates like a stigma and it. it creates barriers and boundaries. You should lose weight. Whereas if you say to yourself, well, I could lose weight, it takes those expectations off mm-hmm. yourself and it means that it's more of an opportunity rather than a, a direct order to yourself. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think it gives you more... Um, freedom. Freedom around that, yeah. That was mm-hmm. what I was looking for. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And that again comes down to the analogy that we we always live by, which is... 80%, doing 80% of something well is better than being in that all or nothing camp, which I think comes back to that kind of fuck it mode again, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we're actually very good at that kind of 80-20 kind of thing. Like, m- me and Ben personally, we pretty much eat the same thing every day during the week. We like it, it's enjoyable, we have good shit in there, we got peanut butter, yogurt, ch- like it's really wholesome good food. We enjoy it. At the weekend, we were, we, at the moment in isolation, we've been picking a cuisine um, or a culture, if you wish, and we've been cooking an amazing dinner. We've been ordering dessert. We've been making dessert. And that's more the 20% where it's like you're a bit more lenient with your um, diet and nutrition. And then for also myself and Ben, it's something to really look forward to. Not that we don't enjoy our diet in the week because we do or we wouldn't stick to it, but it's also really sustainable for 
both myself and Ben and it also the cooking element of things and doing something together is really important whilst in isolation I think as well yeah I've loved that part of it so that I've took some good habits away from isolation I can and he can cook now you mean now that's a great habit you mean now <laughs> what was it like before I <laughs> didn't cook very well before. so when I've been cooking for the last two years <laughs> what have you thought it's great you thought well what is it now brilliant <laughs> yeah you just think about things before you say them okay. he's a really good chef yeah and um, <laughs> this comes down to again balance but this comes back to the weekend so again what we've been doing most Saturdays is have a rum have a cheeky rum our rum collection's got quite large it has got quite large and what I did this weekend was I had a cigar had a cheeky cigar yeah and the amount of questions and you got peppered it was very nice I had the weekend about oh, do you smoke do you promote smoking no dickhead I had a cigar once I probably have about four a year maybe and if that when, it's usually when we yeah, go on holiday and it's either go on holiday or a certain period of time or where I'm doing myself because I like having a cigar and it again it comes down to balance if you do something all the time it's obviously not going to be good for you if you do things which make you happy and this is why I said on the post that I put up the other day health, health and fitness is subjective mm-hmm. but happiness is personal mm-hmm. because people didn't understand the reason of why I was having that cigar and it was because of my granddad. My granddad died a few years ago and I was very close to my granddad. He's one of the people that I really looked up to in life and he was words of wisdom. But every now and again, I'll, I'll have a cigar because when I used to go to his house, it smells cigar. He smoked cigars all the time. So when I have a cigar, I'll shut my eyes and I, I, I'm, I'm almost back in the room with him because I've got that smell mm-hmm. and that scent again. And it just brings back memories of my granddad, which are happy. And again, that makes me happy. So sometimes it's not always about what's most healthy. Sometimes it's about what makes you happy. Yeah. And again, for a lot of people, it's learning to say yes to things rather than saying no to things to be happy, which I think is really important. But I think now I want to move on to a really, really, really big subject, which a lot of people struggle with. It's something that I've struggled with a lot. And I know Lucy has to some degree and it's what most people are probably tuning into the podcast for and it's the binge eating topic which a lot of people struggle with and it's something that I've um, massively struggled with and even had to get professional help with mm-hmm. and I think with binge eating I know we've done a full podcast on it before so I want to talk about a, a bit of a different view with binge eating it can be around for a lot of different reasons it's not just because of your diet um, it's not just because you're over-restrictive, it's not just because of these reasons, it can be to loads of other reasons, and I want to look at some of the reasons behind, behind why people may binge you today, because I think they're really important. I think it's quite psychological. I think it's well. more psychological than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it definitely is. So I really suffered with it when I was in my second, no, my third year of uni, um, I was abundant with anxiety and stress. I was undergoing investigation for really bad um, bowel slash womb problems, which turned out to be the anxiety. But the actual binge eating, mine was very psychological because it did turn into quite a severe eating disorder, which I'm not going to discuss. But that was all psychological. It wasn't anything to do with kind of like how I looked or my training. They, they were really great they were they were brilliant it was how how stressed I was and how binge binge eating actually made me feel at the time when I was doing it which was fabulous Mm -hmm. like I loved it but it's like the after effects and things that I did after that were really upsetting and harmful to Mm -hmm. myself and that comes from a psychological perspective it wasn't physically I was training I was eating normal during the day and it was all happy families but there's there was definitely an element of the stress and the anxiety and not sleeping and I was also doing my dissertation and just started work with Ben as well and we just got together as well actually and I had to tell him everything it was really scary but definitely opening up to Ben about it was probably the best thing that I ever did because having someone to talk to and communicating with someone rather than going through something alone a problem halved is a problem shared you literally sort the words on Martha but on that on that note as well I think if people I struggle with people to talk to even if you want to drop us a direct message or an email or just open up about it I think sometimes just getting off your chest and putting it right in massively yeah, helps yeah you can email at info at mycoachschool.com yeah, if you wish and that'll come to me or Lucy but exactly what you just talked about so behind your binge eating was stress and I think that is probably related to most people 
Yeah, without even realising, I bet it's related to most people. Yeah. I bet you could be internally stressed. And it's okay to get help. It is okay if you need help. I had CBT therapy for ages and it was fantastic. And that was more so actually for my anxiety and stress because I did well, come out of the thing. But it was a knock-on effect, yeah. Obviously, I had the surgery and stuff for my stomach and things um, because of the anxiety. It sounds so weird saying that I had but surgery I'm, because of anxiety. Like I haven't told many people at the moment, I'm still having CBT at the moment mm-hmm. for, for my sleep as well. And I think there's a certain stigma around getting help and especially around having, having therapy. Like it's a bad thing, like it's a negative, like you shouldn't be doing it. I think... It, it makes people think they've got something wrong Yeah, with wrong, them. exactly. I think more people should be doing it. I think even if you don't have a problem, even having the odd therapy session is good. Speaking mm. to someone who's there to listen to you, mm-hmm. generally take it in, and you can get things off your chest, always makes you feel better. So whether you think you've got a problem or not, I think people should actively and proactively... For sure. ...look at therapy as a, as a long-term mm-hmm. option. To, because again, we've spoken about this before, people with mental, with mental health issues wait until they've got a problem to do something about it. Yeah. You wouldn't wait until you were 10 stone overweight to start going for a run and doing some weights. It's exactly the same with mm-hmm. mental health. Be proactive with it. And for me, a big thing has been the CBT that has been great and the other thing that's been absolutely awesome to me and I know you'll post a lot on story is the Chimp Paradox which yeah. is the mind management book because what you just talked on in regards to getting instant satisfaction from foods what happened after that becomes a massive barrage of guilt and that is to do with the Chimp's Paradox because the Chimp's Paradox splits your brain into certain sections and it's a chimp that always wants to satisfy it's like immediate senses and emotions so what will happen most of the time is you'll binge you'll eat a load of food because that's your chimp wanting to satisfy the hunger the emotions and and get and get in there quickly before you can think but then when you feel guilt and unhappiness that's because you're you as the human then left to feel mm-hmm. those emotions and it's very very difficult and then you beat yourself up about it you eat less you train more and you get into that binge eating cycle which never ends of cutting yeah. back eating more cutting back eating more and it's I went to the doctors when I first kind of started having problems with it and all the doctors told me to do was to to look at my diet and stop dieting. I was like, I know my diet's pretty spot on, I know how to diet. I know I'm not over, being over-restrictive at the moment because I'm around maintenance calories, there's mm-hmm. more to it than this. And it started becoming, for me, it came down to something called self-sabotage. So after speaking to a therapist and stuff about it, what I found out was that looking back over my life and what everything I was doing... For me, I, for, for success to feel real, I had to sabotage mm. it in some way. And it's kind of like when you've got a drug, you have a high and a low. For me to really experience that high of life, I had to come back down low again and then build it back up. So whenever I was going to be successful, whenever I felt success, I had to self-sabotage it for, for it to feel real. Yeah. And I know for some people it might sound strange and find it hard to believe, but self-sabotage is quite a big thing in, in regards to when you are doing something that's good in life. Or if you're someone who doesn't necessarily take um, positives or compliments well, which I, I sometimes don't. And self-sabotage is just a way for me to, to deal with that. And the other way that the, the therapist kind of explained it to me was it's almost like it's a, it's a form of self-harm. Yeah. So although you're not <clears throat> really taking a, a razor blade or scissors to your wrist and cutting yourself, you're self-harming yourself psychologically and mentally over and over and over again. And if it becomes a really bad pattern and a habit over a long period of time, it's something that isn't going to go away by just saying, oh, I'll change my diet a little bit. It may, it may help, but I think for a lot of people, talking to someone about it is the, the best the best way that you can you can go about it. Yeah, one of the things you can do, um, bad habits are hard to get rid of and bad habits take longer to dissolve and sometimes they never go, they just diminish. But with one of the best things you can do, the bad habit is to make the habit invisible. One of the ways you can do this is to stop buying the shit food, is to hide it away, put it in the cupboard, put it downstairs, put it somewhere else so it's not in hindsight. If there's a plate of cookies on the side, you will eat the cookies. If the cookies are in a box in the cupboard, you'll probably not eat the cookies. So with bad habits, it's important to make them invisible. With good habits, it's important to make them really visible and really attractive and you want to see them. And say, for example, if you wanted to this is a bit off topic but if you wanted to get in the habit of reading when you wake up in the morning lay your bed out 
and put your book on your pillow. So when you actually go to bed, it's so obvious that you want to create that new habit of reading because your book is waiting for you. With the cookies, hide them away. Mm-hmm. Okay, like put a note out saying don't eat these or or something like that. So make your bad habits invisible. I was going to say that exact same thing, by the way, the notes, because sometimes seeing something, I a cue to not do something or to do something is what will help with that habit, either mm-hmm. make it habitual or to get rid of it. Yeah. And what I did was, if there was a place where there were certain foods left, which I was I was doing it, I'd, I'd put in a large note on an A4 piece of paper and write on, how do I want to fail in 30 minutes? And sometimes it triggered something in my brain, I was like, how do I want to feel in 30 minutes? If I have this, how will I feel in 30 minutes? And sometimes you have to think about things and it, it almost slows the, the process down because going back to the chimp's paradox, the chimp part of your brain acts five times quicker than the, the human brain will. So it'll act instinctively straight away and fill in the gaps, whereas then the humans left to deal with the emotional side of it. If you can slow that reaction period down of where you just really want to do something and really want to have something and think about it, that's where then you make human decisions which are calculated rather than the mm-hmm. chimp's rash emotional decisions, if that makes sense. And that's what becomes habit because it comes built into the, the computer part of the brain. I'm not going to yeah. go too much into the chimp's paradox because it's a great, great read. I would recommend it to anyone, not just for, for binge eating, but for, for management of, of your life overall and in general. But I think, again, if anyone needs any help with binge eating or pointing in the right direction, feel free to drop us a direct message or an email. Yeah, if you just want to chat to someone, but if you obviously feel like you do need more help, yeah. go to a therapist or talk to your GP yeah. or just talk to someone. Because even, um, even, professional yeah. Yeah. even as professionals, we've struggled a bit. But I think what is a good thing to, for us to do now is look at our top tips when wanting to eat to be leaner, but also be happier. Mm-hmm. And... Number one is the most important one, and it might sound quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Quite general, but it's to be happy. Be happy with, with your diet. And the reason for this and is. If you're not, do something about yeah, it. <laughs> because the reason, what's the reason why we diet? The reason why we diet is because we want to lose weight, we want to feel more confident, and we want to be happier. But if that process of trying to be happy leaves you unhappy, then it's kind of counterintuitive. You need to be doing something which fits for you. And at the same time, obviously we've got to make a commitment. There's going to be some stuff that we have to do, which is difficult or requires effort or requires willpower. And that doesn't mean that you're unhappy. It just means that you have to make these small commitments sometimes to feel a certain emotion of Mm -hmm. being happy. Yep, I agree. Number two is what I would do is with a diet is see it as a clean slate. So it's something that you're making marks on each day because what people do, a lot of people will do is when it comes to dieting or losing weight is just see an end point and you're constantly ch- chasing that end point and you'll always be unhappy rather than feeling fulfilled. If you look at when you're approaching something, instead of just looking at the end point and you're trying to get from A to B, you're trying to get to this end point of where you want to be, where you'll be happy, where you'll be confident, where you'll be leaner, is looking at it as a clean slate. Okay, I'm starting here. I'm starting as a fresh and every day I'm going to get better. I'm going to leave a new mark on that chalkboard each yeah. and every day and these marks are going to add up to me being happier and feeling better because I think if you just look at the the other perspective I want to be here and I won't be happy until I get here yeah. well, okay you're not going to be happy until you get there because yeah. you, you're basing your happiness on being in a position and being in a period and like I said before I've been in a period where I've been the leanest been the, in the best shape of my life but I've been the unhappiest because I put all my emphasis on being happy in a certain situation or, or, or being lean yeah I think that's one of the questions that I get all the time is I want to get a six pack I'm like well you will not enjoy that process yeah. because it's like a frustrating thing as well because so many people say like you want to look exactly like someone else it's like well that's not going to happen because you do not have their anatomy you do not have their physiology you're a completely different person so you just have to enjoy the journey and enjoy your journey emphasis underline bold the your it is your journey your process you're doing what you're doing because it makes you happy Mm -hmm. to get to where you want to be and you will continue to be happy yeah, I think the last one, the third thing, or the top tip is going to be to remember when to reward yourself. Yeah. If if you never reward these habits and we never recognise when we've achieved something or when we've done something positive, then we're just going to take them for granted. Mm-hmm. Even if they're small wins, they should be rewarded. Even if it's a pat on the back, a recognition, a reflection, whatever it is, doing something well, you need to have a reward for it to become a habit. And it's, again, going back to positive reinforcement. And in the same pitch, I think when we have negatives or if we binge eat or if we overeat or if we go off a diet then sometimes we need to let go of that 
yeah. holding on to something only causes us unhappiness. And if we keep just holding on to that, it's going to take away from us what we want to do long term. And what I really want to finish on is a is a quote from the book, The Chimps Paradox, when it comes to letting things go and learn how to be happy. And it is, if you try to catch a monkey, it's very difficult as they can easily outrun you. And unless you can swing around trees pretty well, you don't stand a chance. So here's the solution. Start by cementing a vase, not a vase. It's a vase. Into the ground. Now, push a stone into the vase, which only just pushes through the neck of the vase. So it can't be taken out of the vase again. The monkey will come along and put its hand in to grab the stone and try to pull it out. Of course, the stone stone only just fitted in. Now, with the monkey's hand around the stone, it definitely won't come out. The monkey can let go of the stone. Sorry, the monkey cannot let go of the stone because it wants it. Even though the stone is of no value to the monkey, the monkey is not going to let go and remain stubborn. It is easy then to throw a net over the monkey who threw its freedom away for a worthless stone. So what this basically means is if you hold on to something that is painful, such as a feeling, when you're bingy, or being unhappy, or a relationship, or a habit, or even a judgment of yourself, then you're always going to give up your freedom and happiness for it. Now, how powerful is that shit? It's a brilliant quote. So if you hold on to something, such as that negativity when you're binge yet, or when something unhappy has happened, or when something bad has happened to you, then you're going to throw away your, your happiness and your freedom for that. And sometimes I know it's difficult to let go, but when you let go of that stone, i.e. that unhappiness or that negative situation, you will feel a lot better from it. Yeah, and I think that's a wonderful way to end the podcast As always, we really appreciate you listening and taking on board what we're saying. Please, as always, um, will you share on Facebook and Instagram? We absolutely love seeing all the tags Mm -hmm. and things. It's really incredible. And if you have a spare two seconds, if you could review and rate the podcast, we'd Mm -hmm. really appreciate that as well. And like we said at the start, this podcast is sponsored by the My Coach School. We have a free trial, VIP free trial, all in caps locks at checkout for the VIP membership. Yes. And one thing that we always fail to talk about, which we get a lot of direct messages about at the moment, is that, yes, me and Lucy are still doing one-to-one coaching with clients, not in the gym. And we, it's not something that we do at the moment, but we are doing one-to-one work, which we don't actively promote. However, if you would like to know a little bit more about working with me and Lucy one-to-one, then you can drop us an email or a DM and just put the subject line as better bodies. This is how we will then uh, segregate or split up the, split up. the one-to-one inquiries that we get for our next intake, which will now be June. Yes, and that is to info at mycoachschool.com will be the best email address. As always, guys, have a wonderful day and we'll catch you on our next podcast. Bye. Bye, guys.